This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is In Reverence, episode number 20. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Now if you don't know, In Reverence is a little subset that we do on podcasts Under the Stairs. It specifically looks at the movies or the genres or the directors or the actors that shaped my love of horror cinema. And on this special 20th episode, marking a little milestone for this particular subset series of shows, I've decided to tackle my first look at a subgenre within horror as a whole. On this episode, we will be looking at body horror and how it shaped my love of horror cinema. Have a long and lurid past with the subgenre that is oh so icky gets under your skin and makes your fucking bones hurt. So on this episode we will be going through the movies, the templates, the totems so to speak in body horror cinema that left an indemnable mark on my love of the genre. Before we get to that, welcome to a brand new week of horror podcasting from under the stairs. I know what a week we have for you. Four planned episodes kicking off right here. On Thursday, you'll get a little bit of bonus action, Jackson, and then on Saturday, you control the movie selection process with a little listener choice episode. And Sunday, 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 swinging into another one of them 88 Farms Slasher Classic Series of Reviews. On the Tea Putts Collective, coming tomorrow slightly later than originally stated, where to begin with Jallo Swings Your Way, and then early next week, if all goes according to plan, you'll be getting a little bit of Opera Omnia, continuing a look at the movies of Ben Wheatley. And that is you all caught up, ladies and gents, on what is coming up for you, what will titillate, entertain, and of course, above all else, pass the time in this strange world of ours, from under the stairs and yours truly. Okay, let's take a short break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. When I return, it's time to get down and dirty and discuss body horror, my love of that subgenre. Coming right up, right after this. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, 
Twitter and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So what spurred this idea on for covering body horror was, to be fair, the news in the last week that we finally got a trailer for the new Brandon Cronenberg movie, Possessor. Now, Brandon Cronenberg is obviously son of David Cronenberg, who, if you're going to talk about body horror and you don't mention David Cronenberg and or a David Cronenberg film, your list is flawed, it's inaccurate, it's missing a vital piece of the puzzle. It has no soul, is what I'm saying. It is dead behind the eyes like a fucking shark. But Brandon Cronenberg kind of has taken up the mantle that his dad has sadly kind of put down in the last decade or so, maybe even longer than that if we're being honest, in the, in the realms of body horror cinema, horror cinema in general, but more specifically body horror cinema, and kind of landed my interest through his movie Antiviral, which I thought was a really, really rather impressive idea, concept and executed clinical cold little movie that I thought showed a ton of promise and the trailer for Possessor makes me think that that promise is going to be fully realised when we finally get a chance to view that movie. But what got me giddy about seeing that trailer was that kind of pang that flares up every now and again when I get the promise of something truly cringy and truly body horrific. And there are few directors that nail it quite right, but there are plenty of movies out there that are weird anomalies, oddities, or the, you know, the the fucking wicked offspring of very, very deviant minds that I think are worth discussing here. Now, I found at a young age that I quite enjoyed being grossed out by horror movies. And while some of the movies that we can certainly see here are not full-on body horror movies, but certainly have those elements of body horror, which when you take as individual set pieces, I can understand why I started gravitating to movies that just had more of that. I'm thinking specifically about the first time I watched Alien and the chestbuster scene, which, you know, is fucking horrific. Uh, especially if you're a kid, that's fucking nightmare fuel for, for years. And I remember seeing that for the first time and being horrified, but thinking the effect was so bitching that imagine if movies did more of that. Imagine if there was more of that in your movie. And, you know, kind of being fully aware of these gnarly effects of things manipulating, contorting and corrupting the flesh. Um, A couple of years later, I would see Hellraiser for the first time and that idea of deviance enacted upon flesh through pleasure and pain, indivisible as they say in the the series. 
I think kind of spurred that on even more. But I wouldn't say that Hellraiser is a body horror movie, but the fucking vicious things that happen to people in that movie, especially in the franchise as it goes along, you know, there are elements of body horror in there for sure. And with that in the back of my mind, you know, I, I would start to openly seek movies which actively tried to put that at the forefront of what it was showing on the screen, what it was basically allowing you, the viewer, to partake in and witness. And that journey has come a long way. And what I'm going to do on this episode is kind of talk through some of the big ones. Now, my list, I doubt, is going to be bringing anything fresh to the you know, to the marketplace here of ideas. But what it should do is kind of give you an idea of where that journey kind of started, what it went through, and ultimately what I reckon are the creme a la creme of body horror movies. Now, in my youth, we're going back a bit here because I'm getting on, ladies and gents, I'm getting on in my years. Um, we've covered a lot of movies that I saw back in the day that kind of stuck with me for good or bad or all the cheesy stuff. Um, and one that I've returned to many, many, many times is The Stuff from 1985, uh, directed by Larry Cohn. This movie is wholly goofy, but at its kind of core is this weird social commentary on consumerism and clever marketing um, in the guise of a body horror movie. A movie where people are obsessed by consuming the stuff which ultimately consumes them. It's, it's very clever, actually. Very, very, very clever. And, you know, pangs of of a little bit of um, the old uh, George A. Romero uh, stance on society and, like I say, like mass consumerization. I think where the the movie really kind of leans back those on its special effects. Some of which actually have held up surprisingly well, some of which have not. Um, and you, you only have to see like certain scenes of elongated face extensions and uh, back in the day on a grubby VHS they looked fucking gnarly and now they just look plastic or plasticine and stop motion and they maybe don't have the same impact. But the stuff is a movie which is hugely entertaining, but as it moves along, it continues to up the ante of what is actually happening to the people. So first it's just that it's taking over their their brains, um, and by the end you see the after effect of it kind of consuming the body uh, and contorting the body. And I think that's a, it's one of those movies that I think when we talk about body horror in general, the stuff is never at the forefront, but it's maybe because it's a bit too goofy that people don't link it straight away. But I saw this movie as a kid and it's why my I've got, it's why I've got a weird love for the movie as much as I do. And nostalgia plays a heavy part in it, but I, I do like to revisit it. But it, to me, first and foremost, is a incredible work of body horror. Yes, it hasn't aged particularly well, but it's worth checking out. So the stuff is one of the ones early on my my list of body horror movies that really kind of got me 
uh, having a taste, excuse the pun, for, for all things body horror. Now let's jump in a completely different direction and a movie that is discussed on the Summer Teapot's Top 10 series. One of the few body horror movies actually that will be discussed in this upcoming series uh, is a little James Gunn outing. You know James Gunn before he became super famous and all things Marvel. Um, he did a movie called Slither and Slither owes a lot to the kind of B-movie sci-fi almost invasion of the body snatchers aesthetic and, and kind of template following on the beats of that but does it in a much more kind of satirical and comical fashion um, it obviously emulates and pays homage to a movie like Night of the Creeps which in turn is also birthed out of the same era of cinema that so there also owes a lot to those, those kind of 50s movies uh, it has a wonderful combination of practical effects and maybe not so great special effects through 2020 lenses but um, some of the practical effects particular on Michael Rooker and um, <laughs> on his partner um, that I think not just hold up but are really uncomfortable to watch um, the you know the woman that is just getting bigger and bigger as these small things are trying to tear her apart from the inside uh, it's quintessential body horror and it, you know in a lot of respects does more than just pay homage but sets a template for how people should try and do that moving forward it's kind of like when you see the Blob remake for the first time uh, and you see how they can update the special effects while still at the same time feeling like they're doing schlocky 50s effects. I think it's, it's a, a very fine line to navigate and, you know, the Blob remake does it really well, Slither does it really well. Um, it's a movie that, once again, is maybe not necessarily the one that jumps to everyone's mind when they first start talking about body horror, but certainly one that is worthy of discussion uh, and reminded me even in kind of 2006 that this is a genre that still bears fruit there's a lot of people that think it kind of tapered off but it is still there it is still churning out the hits uh, and Slither is one that you should check out not only just for the kind of writing quality and genius of James Gunn and the great performances in there as well um, Philly in being a, a, a consummate professional and complete goofy jackass but you know at its core a movie that you know has some credible effects which which now even 14 years removed are still actually very crisp and holding up surprisingly well so yeah Slither is definitely one that you have to discuss when we are talking about my love of body horror and let me hit you with a double bill now Interestingly enough, we've been doing on Thursdays a uh, kind of watch-along movie commentary uh, in lockdown, and we've been kind of doing bits and bobs all over the place, and it's been a ton of fun. And recently, because a lot of the, the people that partake in that from the, the listenership hadn't seen it, I did a screening of David Cronenberg's uh, Naked Lunch. Now, we're going to cover a lot of Cronenberg, but I think Naked Lunch at times is the movie that people jump over when they talk about the body horror aspect because it's not necessarily at the forefront. It is a surprisingly weird movie, even by Cronenbergian standards. Uh, but there is one particular sequence 
where an insect, well, as Julian Sands as a giant insect is not only fucking another man, but consuming him, absorbing him, uh, and penetrating his flesh with his kind of weird tentacle claw things. And the bodies are morphing together. And it is a horribly gruesome effect that shows you why David Cronenberg is the guy to direct Naked Lunch. But it lands right in the middle of the movie. Well, it's it's maybe more two-thirds of the way through the movie. And we don't get any scene like that before or after. And as a result of that, it stands out of this kind of classic... Um, Cronenberg scene in the midst of this kind of neo-noir maybe not even neo-noir maybe straight up fucking noir uh, bizarre little insight mystery and then that lands and off the back of that we also screened John Dies at the End so I did a double bill of both those movies and John Dies at the End also has these moments of kind of body horror and it, now it's less overt body horror because there's just a lot of weird creatures but there are creatures that grow inside people and burst through or people that are under the guise of being human that are actually something else which I think leans into body horror without being out and out body horror so I think that's a weird double bill that doesn't necessarily it dabbles its toe and once again is not the full on movies that we're going to be discussing in a couple of minutes but they're on the periphery and also worth consideration. So if you've never seen John Dies at the end, which I know a lot of people haven't, even though it's Don Coscarelli, you should check that out. And Cronenberg's Naked Lunch is a movie that I can't actively persuade you to watch because it is very strange and quite long in length. But it's a rewarding movie for those that want to take the plunge on it. Uh, And yeah, has a centerpiece in the middle of it that is 100% pure fucking body horror in a movie that maybe not necessarily is. And with that, we kind of have to turn our attention to the elephant in the room, Mr. David Cronenberg. So if we're going to say that there is a centerpiece in Naked Lunch, which is that scene with Julian Sands, um, as that kind of point where Cronenberg like almost is like you know I almost almost did it guys I almost got you through a movie without leaning into the thing you thought I was going to do you only have to look at the movies that come before Naked Lunch to get a real grasp on why he's considered you know the the maestro of body horror Um, he had a run of movies which successively kind of set the standard the tone the template of how they're done. If you look at anything from the kickoff point of Shivers through Rabid um, and to The Brood in particular, which, you know, The Brood is a movie where the manifestation of grief itself becomes visible on the body, um, which is the very core of, of body horror itself. You know, like I said before, the degradation of flesh, the corruption, the perversion, the augmentation. I and mean, we say that and you think of Videodrome, that's certainly at that core, this idea of of not only the you know the amalgamation and the effects of media on the body uh, being visible, but the, the the body modification that comes out of that, this transfiguration, so to speak, um, is at its core. Scanners, uh, the fly. I mean, if you're doing a top ten list 
of body horror movies and Videodrome and The Fly aren't even on that list, or even The Brood, then your list just might be shit. <laughs> so you may have to start again, is what I'm saying to you. But even when you move through into the more conventional aspect of even something like Dead Ringers, which is less about the body horror of mutation and more about the horrific elements of surgery, um, I think that in itself is even more twisted, the idea that that is grounded in a sense of reality above all the others before, is kind of fucking terrifying and it works on so many levels. So, you know, it, it would return uh, through things like Existence, which, I mean, is certainly like the, a kind of modern upscaling of something like Videodrome, but instead of through the TV media, is done through the video game media. But but Cronenberg sets the, the the kind of bar so ridiculously high. It's it's not surprising that so many people have failed to reach it. He has a real idea and a message behind his use of body horror, where whether it's uncomfortable subject matter like um, you know sexually transmitted diseases, or like I said before, psychology as being used as a tool to create the manifestation of pain visible on the body, uh, this mental trauma being being manifested as these lesions or boils uh, physically that all can see um, are wonderful ideas that could only ever come from the mind of David Cronenberg. The Fly is the high benchmark though, The Fly is the actual corruption and degradation of flesh as something is transformed from man to part man insect. And the effects in that are so fucking disgusting, but at the same time so glorious to behold on the screen. It's difficult to... It's difficult almost to put any movie side by side with it. You look at a a director like John Carpenter, who does The Thing, uh, and The Thing has all these elements of body horror, and maybe arguably has some of the greatest effects ever committed to screen. But I would still say that the work, the cohesive work done at the centrepiece of The Fly is just as good, if not even better. And I think that's that's Cronenberg's strength, is the ability to, to take these themes, these ideas through a weird clinical artistic lens and bring them to the screen for all to see. He is the, he is the, the apex predator. Of, of body horror cinema and through his movies give gateways to so many other directors. If you turn your attention to something like Tetsuo the Iron Man or Tetsuo Body Hammer either, uh, the, you know, the, the, the kind of sequel, um, and you look at the micro-budget aesthetic that this guy, um, this, this weird little uni student would do because his dad didn't want him to make movies. And he create this little art house project about a guy who is transforming into part man, part machine. I think that movie is is so difficult to to recommend as a movie. I know plenty of people that have tried to watch Tetsu and just fucking hate it, and that's fine. Um, but I kind of love it. I think it is fucking ballsy as fuck. Um, it has a swagger about it from a guy who just genuinely doesn't give a fuck. He's making art for art's sake and you're either along for the ride or you hate every second of it. But when you sit down and you watch that, it is just... 
absolutely gnarly. Um, and some of the effects to this day, I don't know how he did it. And, you know, Tetsuo, without that movie, you don't get a whole host of things like Meatball Machine or Tokyo Gore Police or, you know, like um, all, all these movies that are still reigning supreme in Japanese horror cinema, these you know, extreme gore movies that the Japanese fucking love to do and very few nations on the planet do them as bonkers and ostentatiously ostentatiously is the word I tried to say there but couldn't uh, because my mouth is going through a body horror of pronunciation um, but you know like without without uh, Tetsuo with Iron Man you don't have that but I would argue that um, that that guy must have been watching Cronenberg you don't just come up with that as that you he must have seen Videodrome Videodrome must have played somewhere he must have seen it and it has had the impact on him for sure um, otherwise it doesn't make sense when you move from the kind of clinical uh, and very serious angle of Cronenberg uh, the American equivalent in a lot of respects would be Stuart Gordon um, and in turn Brian Yuzna we're going to get to Yuzna in a second who worked like almost exclusively for a time period there producing the works of Stuart Gordon but Gordon has a, a couple of big ones that are worth talking about here and it should be no surprise to anyone that when I said body horror the movie's reanimator sprung to mind but on top of reanimator you know something like From Beyond which is I would say is more the body horror movie uh, specifically because it deals with the pineal gland and the, the contortions upon the flesh that that creates by it's commune with creatures from a different dimension. Um, I mean, Reanimator is one of the greatest horror comedies ever fucking made. Uh, has some of the greatest visual effects uh, in any horror comedy ever fucking made. And it, it works on so many different levels as a movie um, with with incredible performances and and the craft but the the perversion of the flesh and its ability to bring it back from beyond the grave is 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 kind of fucking wonderful and at the core of body horror and it makes you wonder if we're expanding that out could a movie like frankenstein be considered body horror and i would say to an extent yes i would say maybe it's a quintessential origins of body horror that idea of the, you know, the, the amalgamation of dead flesh brought back to life and reanimated could very well be considered the origins of the of the subgenre in general. Um, reanimator just takes it one step further. Um, you know, you you will never look at oral sex the same way again. Never in a million years once you watch that movie. Uh, from beyond, certainly is more the kind of alien, you know, out there, bizarre, Lovecraftian, strange, twisted little tale, which, once again, has these great central performances, but in a lot of respects is just more, more basic body horror, but just done in a very visually interesting capacity with great special effects. Uh, recently watched The Colour of Space, which is obviously a modern... HP Lovecraft tome brought to the screen but once again the body horror elements are in there as well the the almost thing like creature that 
is birthed from the the conjoined bodies of these llamas is, is quite disgusting to watch, as is the the, the almost fly-esque sort of creation from the, the, the mother and the child um, as they are zapped together and consumed. You know, it, it, it reeks of body horror, this this kind of, this twisting, this perversion of the flesh um, by powers out with our control. I fucking love it. Absolutely fucking love it. Uh, and it's certainly another one, a modern one for sure, that uh, is worthy of consideration in your time as well. We've also spoken about Brian Yuzna, who would go on and have more of an active role specifically in those reanimator movies but society is maybe the pinnacle of of disgusting uncomfortable what the fuck have i just watched body horror the the towards the end of of society you are left with an orgy of of decadence and decay of the flesh has never been seen or created in any movie I think the closest we've come to that is the Turkish horror movie Baskin, uh, where we get that like satanic, paganistic orgy um, towards the end that evokes a lot of the, the kind of perversion as shown in society. But society almost stands alone, and and it's society is a movie that when you watch, it's difficult. It's difficult to word it. Like you need to see it in order to see why I trip over my tongue trying to explain it. Society is one of those movies that by the end of the movie, you have no fucking idea how you've ended up there. You just can't quite work out how you've started in one place and ended up somewhere else. And that somewhere else is so removed from where you thought you were going to be when you started the movie, it almost hurts your head to try and fathom it. Um... It's another movie that if you're doing a top 10 list of body horror and society's not on it, you've failed as a human. So, uh, and failed as a fan of the genre, so maybe give up. Even if you don't like the movie, just it is, it is the pinnacle of body horror. Um, and once again, please with a, a kind or or lots with a, a kind of social commentary and satire, which works hand in hand with the, the subgenre itself. To deliver greatness. How about we take a different tact? Um, this movie also in the summer series uh, will get touched upon for sure. But what, what about a movie like Teeth? <laughs> if you're a man, you've just crossed your legs and winced a little bit. Um, the idea of, of a vagina with teeth uh, is absolutely fucking terrifying. I know what you're thinking. Um, and yeah, I agree. Fucking terrifying. But... It's, a, it's, a, it's one of those ones where the body horror itself is at first traumatising but serves a purpose, especially when she's almost raped and that's when it decides to fight back, if you know what I mean. Um, it's a wonderfully bizarre <laughs> uh, idea to commit to the screen and it works really, really well. That's a thumping good movie as well. I think some people pass it off as this really goofy little shit stain of a movie um, but it, it's, it holds up surprisingly well for a subject matter that might make you want to titter a little bit um, it, you know it, it really 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 holds up it's a movie that not enough people are talking about that 
I think if you've never seen it before, then you <laughs> see that movie. If you've not seen it in a while, maybe you dismissed it early on. I think it, really, reappraisal will only make that movie go up in your estimations for sure. And whilst we're continuing on talking about movies that make the summer teapots top 10 series this year, Cabin Fever. There's another one where, you know, the, the actual manifestation of a flesh-eating virus uh, marauding its way throughout a group of people is kind of fucking incredible to watch. It's, it's so bizarre and so gory. Um, and, and takes this evil dead attitude of moving away from the you know the, the idea of the corruption of the flesh by uh, evil satanic or even evil kind of demonic powers and just roots it in this this is a flesh-eating virus look at it do its thing um it's another movie that makes me wince um and also a movie that you should never eat lasagna and watch ever in a million years just don't do it it'll, it'll make you look at it differently but it's, it's another great example of how diverse and how malleable, there's a good word, malleable the subgenre is in terms of, of, of branching out. So here's my question to you. I've covered quite a few movies, kind of dancing through them and talking about their importance. Um, and as a kind of final statement before I issue the challenge, I will say that the effects, but more notably their use in the movie as a driving force as an additional element a kind of physical manifestation of a societal problem a mental problem or something otherworldly is kind of what is the driving force for me really enjoying the subgenre if I, if I boil it down to basics anyone can really work and craft on a great special effect but if that special effect is the byproduct of something story driven um, that's kind of where body horror shines and the best movies have that the ones I mentioned I think have at, at their core like a really interesting message to say yeah some of them are goofy like Cabin Fever but others are you know a warning of how far man is going with science and how it will destroy God and destroy us all because we're playing with the, the you know the forces of the primordial soup of creation whether that's something like Frankenstein or The Fly, um, our, our, our bodies being changed by our surroundings and media, whether that's Tetsuo, um, whether that's something like Videodrome or Existence. Um, the, the idea of of like real life kind of body horror, the idea of something like Teeth or Dead Ringers, both being gynecological as well, which are gynecological is the word, not gynecological. Uh, gynecological um, at their core as well, you know, kind of preying into our fears of that, that, that you know, our, our, the transfiguration of our sex parts, I think it's quite an interesting, you know, and at times very taboo subject to, to throw up there. And things that that subgenre can play with flirtively, um, and, and have, a, have a lot of impact in those are the elements that really make it shine for me and the reasons that I want to delve further into it and get deeper into the ideas of, of body horror but yeah I've mentioned a lot I'm going to throw it out to you if I haven't already mentioned one what's missing from my list what, what have I not mentioned or what are your favourites even if I have mentioned it double down on it Tell me if you like body horror and what are the movies that you love within that subgenre. If you don't like it, 
If it's a bit too icky for you, what were the movies that put you off? Let me know. Get in touch through Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Right, I'm going to close out this show and I'm going to do it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been In Reverence, episode number 20. And on this milestone, we discussed my love of body horror cinema. Ooh, did we ever. Like I said before the break, I'm turning it over to you. Let me know what you think. Do you like body horror? What are the movies that you love? If I mentioned them, you'd double down on why you think they're great. If I didn't mention them, let me know. What am I missing from my list? It could be a glaring omission. I might not like the movie or I might never have seen it. You will highlight it to my attention. Let me know on the Facebook group page. Alternatively, if you don't like the subgenre, what were the movies that put you off? Let me know as well. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. There's a multitude of ways to check out the show. Wherever you're listening to me right now, hit subscribe. You will never miss anything on this feed. If you subscribe to the Teapots Collective feed as well, you will never miss anything at all that I record produce and release. Couldn't be any easier than that folks. Visit our website, it's tputzcast.com Buy merch to support the show by going to tputzcast.bigcartel.com Visit us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast or check out the Teaputz Collective on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash tputzcast You can interact with myself and the buyers on the twin prongs of social media sexiness Instagram and Twitter, both can be followed at Teapots cast and check us out on the Flick Chat app, which is free and available on Android and iOS. Our join code is Teapots Cast. The podcast under the stairs will return to you this Thursday with a little bonus episode for all y'all out there. But until then, wherever you are, wherever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off. <laughs> <laughs>